Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our service online. And we want to welcome you wherever you may be today, whether you're at home watching or you're physically at the church building or wherever you may find yourself. Uh, we want to welcome you to our church service online. Today, there's going to be a focus on Romans chapter 4. And I'll be sharing uh, in a few moments. But of course, we're going to have our usual time where we can sing to God, where we can worship God with our singing. And we're going to spend some time to pray for our world and our community and our church family. Um, but before we do any of these things, let's hear from SBC News. SBC News. I'm Abigail. I am Ola. Many congratulations to our very own Reverend Denzel Larby and his fiancée Jemima who were married at SBC on the Thursday the 29th of October. Do you remember them in your prayers as they embark on the adventure of married life together with the joys and challenges that brings? On Tuesday November 3rd at 7 p.m., Trevor will be bringing a gospel reflection on Luke 13, verse 18 to 21. The revolution will be will not be televised. And on Thursday, 5th November, join us for the next episode of SBC Shots with Martin. In recent years, we've teamed up with the Shoebox Appeal at this time of year. But in 2020, we're teaming up with our good friends at International Leads to do something different. Here's a short video to explain more. at Southern Baptist Church. Uh, my name is Nisan Basagi. I am the executive director of IN Egypt. I would like to share with you about um, a small project we would like to do uh, during the Christmas time. Uh, we have a school called uh, New Life uh, Language School and we have 400 kids. Uh, our aim is uh, to mobilize uh, the children uh, in our school how to care, how to love, how to have heart for uh, the other people. At the same time, we have uh, a big hospital in Cairo uh, for children suffering from cancer. So we would like to prepare a Christmas gift. And the children uh, from our school take this gift and visit the hospital and visit the children that they are suffering uh, from cancer. Um, and I believe this will bring joy to the heart of those uh, kids and it put a smile in a face of a child suffering from cancer. At the same time, this gave us opportunity to bring love of God because when we visit uh, those kids in their room, uh, usually we ask their parents, would you like us to pray for your child in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ? 
call quizzes. Will you be interested in an SBC quiz evening on Zoom? If you will be interested, then please do let Kim know. Her details are in the church directory. And if you can get in, if we can get enough of us, we can give it a go. We have a few youth events coming up, starting with another Later With event. Later With is a space in which a Christian will be asked questions from both the host and the young people. We will have a focus on faith in the real world. This month, we have Gareth Hyes from the evangelism organisation K180. And finally, this afternoon at 3pm, in another of our working together, but separately events, maybe you could meet up with someone from SBC family for a socially distanced working and chat. This, this has, has been, been SBC News. News. God, God bless. bless. God truly enjoys the worship of his children. Let's come together and give God a concert of praise. Let's forget about ourselves and things that have happened to us during the week and just lift him up and glorify his name because he is worthy to be praised. Praise is
Jesus. No matter what's happening around us, no matter what we hear in the news, you have the final say. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. We give you the praise and the glory that we can trust in you. We can hold fast our faith in you. Amen. Because when we see you, we find strength to face the day. In your presence, all our fears are washed away. Because when we see you, we find strength to face the day.
Church. Today's reading is from Romans chapter 4. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. And he received circumcision as a sign, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then he is the father of all who believe, but have not been circumcised, in order that righteousness might be credited to them. And he is then also the father of the circumcised, who not only are circumcised, but who also follow in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing and the promise is worthless, because the law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, So shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. So brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but I love receiving gifts. I love it. I love receiving free gifts from people. I, I will take it with joy and with so much happiness. I love receiving gifts. And to be honest, I haven't come across many people who don't like to be given a gift. 
I mean, if you're here today and you don't like receiving gifts from people, then email me after the service and I'll make sure never to get you a gift. But the majority of people I know love receiving gifts. But I have to be honest. There are certain times when I don't feel worthy to receive a gift. Even though I love gifts and I love receiving free gifts, there are certain times when I, I just don't feel worthy to receive this gift from someone. Maybe it's because of the person giving me this gift or maybe because the gift is too big. But there are times when I actually find it hard to take a gift from someone because I don't feel worthy enough to receive this gift. Especially if I'm receiving this gift from someone who I've treated badly. Or if I'm receiving this gift from someone who I don't know and they begin to, to give me this gift. There is a sense of, I haven't done anything for you. In fact, I've probably treated you badly. So why are you giving me this gift when I've never done anything for you? I don't know if you've ever had those same feelings before. I mean, I will find it so much easier to receive a gift and take a gift from my mom or my brother or some of my friends who I've given gifts to. So we have this relationship where we give gifts to one another. So I find it easier. But to receive a gift from someone who you don't know, someone who you don't like, someone who you treated badly, for them to give you a gift, you can sometimes feel a level of, I, I'm not worthy of this gift, I've done nothing for you. So why are you giving me this gift? But that's what a gift is, according to Google. A gift is, some, is something given voluntarily without payment in return as to show honour towards someone and on an occasion to make a gesture of assistance. According to Google, that is a gift. But receiving a gift can be hard. It can be hard to receive a gift from someone. I remember in my first year of Spurgeons, we, we kind of have a freshest week, but obviously we're all Christians, so it was a bit different. So we had this freshest week and we had this young person who was planning to start Spurgeons next year. So he was hanging around with the, the young people. Um, so after lectures, we went to Harvesters. This was a tradition we used to do. We used to go to Harvesters, which is up the road from Spurgeons. And he came along. Now, he came along, but he had no money, but he didn't let anyone know about this. So we all eat. And the waitress comes, is taking payment. We all pay for our individual meals. We're, we're students, so we're quite stingy. And um, the card machine comes to him and his card declines. Now, I, I notice what's happening and I know how awkward it, it can be, especially being around, uh, being around people and your card declines. So I offered to pay for it. I offered to pay for his meal as a gift. And he was so insistent that he doesn't want to take the money. You know, I'm, I'm all right. I'm going to call my mum. She'll transfer me money. I'm like, mate. It's a bit awkward here. Let me just give you the gift. Let me just let me just pay for your for your meal. And he was just he didn't want to take the money, even though his card was declined and he couldn't pay for his meal. And his mum wasn't picking up his phone. He still didn't want to take the money. Eventually, he took it, but was so insistent that he's gonna pay me back. He's gonna you know try and go to his mum. I'm like, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Here's your, here's a gift. Keep it. But there are times when I felt the same way, where I find it so hard to receive a gift. When you receive a gift, you are in a sense showing a level of honour to that person. When you receive a gift, you are in a sense showing a level of trust. I'm sure we won't take a gift from, from anyone because we don't always know people's intentions. But how we receive a gift is so important. Someone can present you with a gift that they've paid for and sacrificed for. 
But how you receive that gift is very important. There are some people who receive a gift but doubt. Why is this person giving me this gift? I'm sure they want me to do something for them. I'm sure there's hidden agenda. And we've received this gift but we're doubting all the time. There has to be a catch. There are other people who receive a gift but pay no attention to the gift. They put the gift away or they misuse the gift or they abuse the gift. There are some people who receive a gift and feel the need to pay the person back immediately. Okay, this person done good to me. I need to make sure I do good to them. In fact, I need, it needs to be bigger. The gift needs to be bigger than the one that they've given me. There are other times where people receive a gift and feel honoured and feel loved. And there are times where people reject the gift. It's okay, I don't want it. People can reject the gift. How we receive a gift is important. Now, why am I talking about gifts? I know Christmas is coming up, but that's not the reason why I'm talking about gifts. My birthday's already gone, so I'm not prompting anyone to give me a gift. I'm talking about gifts today because I want to remind you of the greatest gift given to mankind. And that is the gift of salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We were all doomed, dwelling in our sins, heading to destruction. But in God's love and his grace for us, he sends his son to die for us so that we can have eternal life now. So that we can be free from this disease called sin. This is an amazing gift that God has given everyone. But in Romans 4, Paul talks a lot about this gift. And he speaks a lot about how we receive this gift. The importance of how we receive this gift. How do we receive this gift that God has given us? Because there seems to be some issues amongst the Jewish Christians in Rome. They still had this idea that salvation was attained by works, by religious works, like circumcision um, or other religious customs of following the law. They believed that they were saved or had a right standing before God if they were circumcised and they followed these religious rituals or, these, or this law that God had given them. So they believed it was still about works. But Paul is saying that, look, if it's about works, that means God owes us salvation. He says this in verses 4. If it's about works, then he, he owes us salvation. It's not a gift if you've been working towards it. But that's not the case. Actually, God has given you this gift of salvation, this gift that he's given to the world. He's given it to you because you couldn't fulfill the law, because you were still a sinner. But in his grace, he chose to give, to give you this gift. But he still believed that it was circumcision and all these Jewish customs that they needed to follow. And that's what gave them a right standing before God. So in this whole chapter of Romans chapter 4, Paul is beginning to refute this idea. So what he does is he brings the, the ultimate Jewish person, where it all started from. The man, the father Abraham, the man himself, he, he brings up Abraham and he uses Abraham as a case study because it all comes down to him. The promise started with him. And the question that he throws out to these believers in Rome, in these different churches, is the question is, how was Abraham justified? How was he justified? Justified or righteousness basically means the same thing. How did Abraham have a right standing before God? Was it something that Abraham did 
Was it through the works that Abraham did that he caught God's attention? But how was Abraham justified? And Paul makes it clear that actually it's God that approached Abraham, not the other way around. It's God that approached Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and in Genesis chapter 15, he presents Abraham with a promise. It's nothing that Abraham did. No, Abraham wasn't deserving of God's grace. Most likely Abraham, before God approached Abraham, Abraham was probably worshipping false idols. We can get a hint of this in Joshua chapter 24. No, Abraham wasn't deserving of anything good from God. No one on earth was deserving anything good from God. But God chose to be gracious to Abraham. This is God's doing, not Abraham's doing. Abraham did nothing to deserve God's grace. But God, in his love, in his mercy, he chose to be gracious to Abraham. He chose to give him this promise, not just for this promise to remain with Abraham, that actually through Abraham, the whole world will be blessed. It's a bigger vision. And this was an amazing gift that God was presenting to Abraham. But Abraham did something important, which Paul stresses all through Romans chapter 4. Abraham received this gift by faith, by believing in God and the promise that God had delivered to him. Even though God is saying that, look, through you, your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars. But his physical condition contradicts that. He's old and his wife is barren. But Abraham believed that God could bring something out of nothing. Verses 9, Paul states how faith was so important. In verses 9, he says, We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. And Paul wants to make it clear that it is not about circumcision. Circumcision came years afterwards, 14 years after Abraham believed. He first believed and later on circumcision was a seal of that promise that God had made. So I want to read the verses to you from verses 10. It's, he says, under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. And he received circumcision as a sign, a seal of the righteousness that had been made by faith. But why he was still uncircumcised? So then he is the father of all who believe but not have been circumcised in order that the righteousness might be credited to him. And he is then also the father of the circumcised, who not only are circumcised, but also follow in the footsteps of faith that our father Abraham had died before he was circumcised. So this is it. There's a lot of circumcision words in there. But this is it. The Jewish Christians had this expectation that the Gentiles needed to follow circumcision and have, do all these other works for them to be justified just like how they were they feel like because that they were just because they were circumcised they were justified and they want the gentile christians to do the same thing too but paul is saying actually this is not the case you were saved by grace through faith faith is the channel by which we receive god's gift of salvation by our belief and our faith in him the circumcision that Abraham did was after he believed. And he wants to make this so clear for the people. 
We haven't done anything to deserve God's grace. We haven't done anything. It's not our works. We couldn't even keep it. But it's by our faith. Which is how we are saved. It's by our faith. Is how we receive this gift. What is faith? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The convictions of things not seen. We see this in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Paul again states something very powerful in verses 16 that I want to read to you. He says, therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and you may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offsprings. Not only those who are of the law, but also those who have faith, the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all, including the Gentiles. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He is the father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that were not. God in his grace, God in his love has given us the gift of our salvation and we receive it by faith, by our belief in Jesus. And this is how we become a Christian. Very simple. This is how we become a Christian. It's through our faith in Jesus Christ. No other way. This is how we become a Christian. And I don't like to be the person who judges people's salvation or judges how people come to faith. But if someone says that they've come to faith without trusting in Jesus, then there should be some questions asked. It's not just through a nice prayer. It's not just through a nice feeling. You become a Christian when you believe in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Saviour. When you have faith in who he is and the promises that he's given us. This is how we become Christians. So in Romans chapter 4, there are a lot of theological issues that Paul is beginning to address to the Roman Christians. The Christians in Rome, especially amongst the Jewish Christians as well. And affirming to the Gentile Christians that actually you don't need to follow the laws. You don't need to follow circumcision. But actually you need faith in Jesus this is how you were saved. This is how you received this gift. But I think there are a couple of things that we can learn from this chapter. And as I was reading this uh, chapter, Romans chapter 4, a few things came to pop into my mind, which I think would be helpful for us to look at today. So four quick things. I wonder if there are certain situations where as Christians, we can be a stumbling block to other Christians or people who are discovering the faith. You see, the Jewish Christians, they were adding works to salvation, something that God never intended. But they were adding additional things to people's salvation. So I wonder if sometimes we can do the same thing. When we're presenting the gospel to someone, we are given all sorts of rules and additional things that they need to do. You need to do this, this, this and that. But actually what we need to focus on is allowing people to understand that, yes, we are sinful people. And we couldn't do it. We there's nothing good that we can do towards God. But God in his grace has given us the gift of salvation. And we receive it by believing in him. And then we see how people can develop from there. But I do wonder sometimes we can be a stumbling block to other people's faith. A stumbling block to how people are developing. A stumbling block to new Christians. Where we're bringing all sorts of rules and, and church tradition and church culture that doesn't need to be applied. The second thing is, I wonder if some of us still think it's about works. 
Maybe some of us still think that God is more impressed with our religious activities, our dedication to going to church and doing other religious things rather than our faith in Jesus. God is more concerned with your faith in him, with your trust in him. But I wonder if sometimes we are more fixated on works that we feel like we can catch God's attention by all the good things and the good works that we are doing. But actually God wants you to have a solid faith in who he is. Thirdly, I, I wonder if some of us are struggling to receive God's grace. We're struggling to receive God's gift to us. We feel like, you know, I'm not worthy of this gift. There's nothing good I've done to God. In fact, in the past, I've blasphemed him. In the, in the past, I've, I've said he was false. And maybe here we're thinking, I, I, don't I, can't, I can't receive this gift. I'm not worthy to receive this gift. But to be honest, it really doesn't matter how we feel. This gift has already been given to us. It's a free gift to us, but this gift was paid by through the death of Jesus Christ. The gift was paid for by Jesus giving his life for us. No matter how you feel, no matter what you've done, if you repent and have faith in Jesus, you will be saved. And that's the amazing thing about this gift. Yes, we don't deserve it, but it's God and his grace who has given it to us. And no matter what we've done, we'll continue to give it to us. Fourthly, it shows us how grateful we need to be to God. You see, if someone gives you a gift, the normal response by the person receiving a gift should be a level of gratitude. And probably it also depends on, on what the gift is. If someone gives you a house for free, I'm sure there's going to be a huge level of gratitude you're going to show this person. Now imagine if someone gave their life for you, their life to save you. Goodness me, I'm, I'm sure the level of gratitude would be amazing. But this isn't always the case with Christians. There isn't always a gratitude to God and what he's done for us on the cross. That actually, while we were still sinners, while we were still sinners, according to Romans chapter 5, verses 8, God still demonstrated his, his love for us. And Christ died for us while we were still sinners. We should show a huge level of gratitude. And these gratitudes will look like it look different for different people. But ultimately, it will look like loving God back. He showed his love to you, we, we love him back. It will look like giving our lives to God. And this is what Romans 12 speaks about. About giving our bodies as a living sacrifice. He's given his body so we give our bodies back to him as a level of gratitude and worship. It looks like serving him. We're not saved by works, but when we are saved, there are things that God wants us to do. It looks like people who are willing to share who he is. If someone gives you a house, I'm pretty sure you're going to promote that person. Can you believe what so-and-so did for me? How much more Jesus Christ? We should be willing to share who he is as he's given us the ultimate gift and he's willing to give this gift to other people. It's not a gift that he gives just to individuals. It's a gift that he's given to the world. So as we close, I want us to pause and reflect on Romans chapter 4. We are saved by grace through faith. Any other things that add on? We are saved by grace. God's grace to us. His gift to us. We receive it by faith. 
by our deep belief in who he is. And it all comes down to God. As hard as it is to accept, we are not good people. But God in his love wants us to. And he's given his son that now the Holy Spirit lives in us. So we can be transformed in the likeness of who he is. This is great news. So if you're here today and you're struggling to receive this grace, you still don't see yourself as worthy. God has done it for you. Receive it. Receive this great gift by faith. Abraham did it. God promised Abraham this amazing promise. He believed it in faith and had a right standing before God. We can do the same too. Let's pray together. Hi, SBC family. I hope you're well and that God has blessed your week. We're now coming to into a time of prayer where we can bring our thanks and requests to God. Our Heavenly Father, who is always faithful and whose love never fails. Let us pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, Thank you that you are our refuge and strength, that you are ever present in times of trouble. You are our hope and salvation. We put our trust in you, Lord, and know that you are the same yesterday, today and forever. To you, all glory is given. Lord, we lift up to you all who are suffering today. We especially think of those with COVID-19 and ask for your protection. We ask that you help us let go of the fear and anxiety and lean on your promises. We pray for all the doctors and nurses and those in the NHS who work so hard to help those in need. We pray for their well-being and ask for you to come alongside them at such a difficult time. We ask you to refresh them and that your healing hands be on those who are in hospital at this time. We ask that by your mighty power, you find a way for us to fight the virus and to find a vaccination that works soon. We know that you can do abundantly more than we can think or even dare to imagine. Lord, we ask for your peace and comfort for those who have lost loved ones and whose days are dark at this time. For those who have been affected financially or have lost their jobs, we pray that you will be close to them and you can open new doors for them. We pray you touch the hearts and move people into action so we the church can be good news to those who need to hear it. Let us be an encouragement and blessing to others today. Lord, we thank you for the men and women who serve our country in leadership roles and for their families. Please provide our leaders with reminders each day of why they decided to dedicate their lives to public service and to use that commitment to encourage them. Give them peace when their work takes them away from their families. We ask that you draw near them and give them wisdom and help them support one another. We also pray for the wives, husbands and children of our country's leaders. In this difficult time, we especially pray for our government and those in leadership roles around the globe. 
people in emergency services and those who make our country a safer place. We also pray for our church family, for our leaders who have taken time to rest and be refreshed. Lord, fill them anew with your spirit. We pray especially for Denzel and Jemima who were married this week. May their lives be filled with love and that you bless them abundantly. We pray for Barbara and Bernard Miles. Please grant, please grant Barbara the rest and peace. Please be ever near to Bernard during his struggles. We pray for Brenda Bateman as she continues her treatment and for Ron and Gillian Ellsgood. Lord, we all have names on our hearts. Those who we know who are struggling at the moment. Lord, we lift them all up to you now. Lord, hear our prayers. In Jesus' name. Amen. Will you join with us now and let the Lord know that we're going to trust him always, no matter what's happening, we're going to make a conscious decision to put our trust and our hope in him because he is our strength he is what we need
Indeed, everyone needs compassion. And we're just so thankful to God for his gentleness towards us. He does not deal with us as he should. Um, he is kind and he's gentle. He is forgiving and loving. So we just want to show the same compassion to others that he has shown to us. Can anybody feel the compassion of the Lord right here?
today, we can just hand them over to God and He can move them for us. He will give us the strength and He will give us the confidence that whatever we commit in His hands, He is dealing with. Brothers and sisters, thank you so much for joining us uh, on online service today. Uh, I really pray that God really spoke to you this morning and I pray that he will continue to speak to you and challenge your hearts as we reflect on this passage. If you're free at 11.30 in just a few moments, um, there's going to be additional questions that's going to be asked in the foyer where you can speak about the text and you can ask some questions or some reflections that you may have, um, may have had about the text, which you can share in the foyer in a moment. Uh, but if you're not able to join us, I just want to share a blessing uh, with you all today. I really pray that God will, will bless you this week, uh, that he will keep you safe and sound, and that your eyes and your minds will be focused on Jesus Christ. Have a blessed week and God willing, see you soon.